Welcome to New Life, everybody. Glad to have you guys here with us. If you would, please go ahead and find a seat. That would be perfect. Well, hey, listen, if this is your first Sunday with us, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Jeff Baker. I am one of the pastors on staff. I want to say a big hello to everyone that came out to worship with us in our main auditorium. Come on, give it up for yourselves. Yeah. Putting God first, man, Sunday morning to kick the week off right. It is awesome. Glad to have you guys with us. If you are a guest here with us in our main auditorium, thank you for being here. There are uh, hosts that are, are standing around in the back. They've got some green lanyards on, and they're here to serve you and to help you with whatever you need. I also want to say a big hello to all those that are out there in North Platte worshiping with us right now. Thank you so much for coming. You guys are seeing some fantastic things happen out in North Platte. I think there was like four different people who got baptized last week. They've been setting all kinds of records in attendance out there. And, uh, you know, Dave and Tiff, our campus pastors that are out there, those guys are rocking it. So that's awesome. I'll, yeah, go ahead. You can clap for them, yeah. I love those guys. I, hey, North Platte. You know what? I just want you to know, I love you, all right? And so do we. Uh, listen, we also want to say a big hello to everyone worshiping with us down in the venue. Man, yeah. Wow. Wow. Hey, listen, uh, we've got some, uh, we got some things that are going on around this church that are attracting people. And let me tell you what that thing is. And that is this, we're not afraid to preach Jesus. Him crucified, rose again from the grave. Jesus is alive today and he's still changing people. Amen? That's right. That's what we want to be known for. We want to be known for a church that loves people right where they are. Okay? I mean, just the way you are. So if this is your first Sunday with us, please know this. We, we love that you came in these doors just the way you are. Our attempt today is that you would be connected to God in such a way that you would not leave the same, okay? And that's if, if it's just one little baby step towards God or if it's a massive leap uh, towards God today. We just don't want to leave you the same way that you came because that's God's agenda for your life is that every time God gets a hold of you, he wants to transform you and keep changing you into his likeness and into his image. So today, one of the ways that we're going to celebrate that, it's Mission Sunday. You need to know this, New Life New Life is a church that's passionate about reaching people. You just heard me say that. We're also passionate about planting more churches in Nebraska or wherever God would give us the opportunity to do so. But at the same time, we are equally passionate about what God is doing around the world through our missionaries. We have a network of missionaries here at New Life that are helping us present the good news of Jesus Christ in countries all around the world. And today, you're gonna be hearing from one of those missionaries, and I'll be introducing him in just a moment to you. But with missions, there's three critical ways that you can be involved in spreading the good news of Jesus throughout the world through our missions outreach, our global outreach here at New Life. The first thing is this, pray. Pray for missionaries, all right? One of the ways you can pray for missionaries um, is you can go uh, here at our Kearney campus, you can go right back, uh, right off of our lobby and you can see a wall that has all kinds of missions information on it. There you can maybe snap a picture of a missionary and you can be praying for them. Uh, the, the other thing you can do is when you hear from missionaries, like today, you're gonna hear from one of them. You can be praying for this missionary until the next time we have another missionary that comes in. There's all types of ways for you to be praying for missions. You can search it online. 
you can get yourself connected with the needs that are happening around the world. I would encourage you, think big picture. Think God's worldview, not your worldview. Your worldview might end with where you're comfortable. God's worldview encompasses the entire planet, encompasses every single person. God's agenda is that no one would die and go into eternity without a relationship with him, and that should be our worldview as well. Another way you can participate, though, is by getting yourself in on one of the missions trips that we do here at New Life and going. All right, we have a missions team that's actually leaving tomorrow. And that team is gonna be going over to Wales and they're gonna be praying for the work that God's doing over in Wales and planting churches um, in Wales, whether it's in Cardiff or it's in the outlining rural areas. And they're gonna be praying also for something that's gonna be fantastic coming up in the summer of 2016. We, here from New Life, are actually gonna go help plant the very first Royal Family Kids Camp in Europe. We're gonna help do that. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. So get, get on a missions trip, all right? We have another team that's getting ready to go to the Ivory Coast. They've got some kind of a missions lunch thing that's happening again here at our Kearney campus. So there's all types of opportunities. There's more. If you go to mynewlifechurch.com, you can see the missions opportunities. You can actually sign up for a trip right there. I would encourage you. My goal as the lead pastor of this church is to get every single person that's in our church overseas, especially if I can get them into a third world country because I believe there's something about that, that's going to change your worldview. It's going to change your life. It's going to flip it upside down. So get on a mission trip. Be a part of it. Lastly, it's your finances. You know, here in America, even if you consider yourself to be in poverty, you're among the rich of our world. And I want to encourage you today to pull out of your bulletin this faith promise card. Now, if you don't have a faith promise card, if you didn't get a bulletin, it's not, it wasn't, uh, you know, handed to you or for whatever reason, any of our locations right now, if you'll just put your hand up, uh, a host will come. And they will give you a faith promise card. Every single person, um, or couples, I should say, in all of our locations should have one of these faith promise cards in their hand uh, for today's sermon. So please have that in your hand. Let me talk about it for just a moment. Keep your hand up and someone will get to you. Uh, here in our main auditorium, I even see hands that are up in the balcony. So you guys will have to make your way up there and help those, uh, help those people out. So here's the deal. Here at New Life, we support a number of missionaries around the world, and what we need you to do is we need you to help us support them and help make that happen. So the way you can do that is by giving of your finances. I would like to say this to you. Every single person that's hearing my voice today should participate in this. Help us you know, get our missionaries into the mission field. Help those missionaries accomplish what God's put into their heart. And you can do that by filling out this missions, uh, by this, this, it's, like, it's like a missions pledge. It's like a faith promise. It's saying, I'm gonna follow through with this. I'm gonna give, you know, whether it's $100 or it's $5, I'm gonna give it every month for the next six to 12 months. Now, what I would like you to do is fill the card out. And then once you fill it out, you can keep this little piece and you can keep the big piece. We're gonna be using it later in today's service. Now, if you're more like me and you would rather do it digitally, all right, then I would encourage you to open up your phone and go to the city app. If you don't have the city, then there's instructions in your bulletin for how you can get the city. But once you get the city, if you open up the app, you can click on giving or your, or your laptop. You can click on giving. You can go over and select the fund, which you can turn that into missions. 
You can come down and select the frequency of how you want to give uh, once a week, once a month. And then if you'll click next, it will take you to your payment method. Here's where you can enter in, you know, a payment method that you might be already using to give your tithe or your offering. But if this is new for you, you can click the, the little button there that says new payment method. And that's where you can enter in your new checking account, saving account, or whatever. And you can have that money withdrawn straight out of that account. I prefer to give that way. It just makes it, it, makes it much easier for me. The other thing that I love about on online giving is this. I can set it up to come out on the first or whenever I get paid. And that whole idea of giving God my first, I get a chance to do that because it just automatically happens. And I love that principle of online giving, giving God my first. And by the way, I set it up. So if my car breaks down and it takes $2,000 to fix it, I'm not going to change my tithe money to fix it. I've already got that set up and I know I'm giving God my best. So today you're going to be challenged later in the service to step up to the plate and to give and to be a part of missions, whether it's $5 or $1,000 a month. Those are your only two options. Just joking. There's a lot of options in between there. And what I'm gonna trust is this, God's gonna speak to your heart. As one of our newest missionaries to our missionary family here at New Life, all the way from Wales, he'll tell you more about that, all the way from Wales, would you please welcome to our main auditorium, our venue, and North Platte, would you welcome Brian Elliott. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, man, love you. Have fun. Wow, it is so cool to be here. We love this church. I mean, we're relatively new to you, but we've known about you for a long time because to see for about 18 years, our family has been blessed. You know, sometimes you have friends along different stages of your life, but you have some friends that no matter how far away you are geographically, you never roam very far emotionally and relationally. The Murrish family and our family have been best friends for years and years and years. I wanna say thank you for all the love that you've given us and uh, you guys are, I know you know the Mauritius, you're blessed by them. But we've heard great things because they've been saying great things about you for years. And we're like, Scott, I know, it's a great church, okay, I get it. It's a pleasure to be here. And, and in Nebraska, let me, I shared this story a little bit this, this morning, um, but can I, I don't, I don't want to not share this and forget about it because I'm, I'm blessed by Nebraska. Even though I worked at Kansas State University for years and years and years, and there was always that... That hoop came all the way from North Platte, <laughs> right? There's a lot of good food to have in Europe and in Britain, but one thing they don't do very well is steak. And, um, and they'll tell you that, but I know it better because I'm an American and I know what good steak tastes like, let me tell you. Two weeks before we came back for our first furlough, we're getting ready to leave the country and I've been lamenting the fact that there's no good steak in this country. I take my wife out to a nice dinner at this restaurant. The steak was amazing. It was tender. It was, it, was, it was just perfectly seasoned. They put some, like, it was a blue cheese butter melted over the top of it. I mean, it was amazing. And I asked the, the guy at the restaurant, I said, this place is amazing. This is like nothing I've ever had in the UK before. He said, well, that's because it's uh, corn-fed beef from Nebraska. <laughs> I said, yeah. So thank you, beef, it was what was for my dinner that night. Thank you very much. 
We minister in the, in the nation of Wales, which is in the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom is England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales. It's its own country. We're going to be taking some of your folks with us uh, tomorrow to actually experience Wales for a few days. We are church planting missionaries. We planted Capital City Church in 2012, working on some other church planting projects. But I'm not going to get so much into that because I want to share with you a principle this morning. I want to share with you a principle that if you can get it buried deep into your heart, if you get this principle, the whole of the Christian experience will open up like a blossom for you, okay? It's not magic. It's not some super secret thing that's never been told before. This is the message that it was was like the overarching picture of Jesus' teaching. And if you get this principle, it'll unlock the Christian life for you. And I bring it up this morning on Mission Sunday Because this is the principle that drives missionaries. This is the principle that drives uh, missions giving. This is the principle that drives churches in getting involved in the great commission across the world. And it's it's, it's the principle of multiplication. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to open it to Mark chapter eight. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we will have it on the screen. I also want to encourage you just, there's just something about getting your fingers into those papers, those, those pages and that, and just dialing through the, the Bible. But if you don't have it, that's okay. Look on the screen. I'm going to read the, the biggest part. I'm going I'm, I'm to read most of the chapter all the way to the end. We're going to skip a few parts in the middle. But what there is in this chapter, you're going to recognize three distinct elements that you've heard preached on before. You've heard about Jesus feeding the multitudes before. Great story. You, you've, you've heard uh, 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 about the yeast of the Pharisees. You're going to read this in just a moment. You've heard about Jesus saying, if you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross and follow me. But I think there's something bigger in this, in this passage. And let's read it together, starting at the, the beginning of Mark chapter 8, verse 1. During those days, another large crowd gathered. And since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long, way, uh, come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks... He broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. Now skip ahead to verse 14. It says they leave that place, they get on a boat, they're going across the water, and at verse 14 it says the disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? And they answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Now skip ahead to verse 34. 
says Jesus called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. See, as a preacher, I'm thinking of three great sermons right there. Bam, bam, bam. And they all have great principles to teach. But as I read it, And as I seek to pull meaning out of the scripture, accurate meaning, I'm seeing that there is one main point that Jesus is trying to convey and the whole chapter is tied together. The whole thing. You see, there's this theme of bread going through and there's also this theme of multiplication going through and that's what I wanna talk about this morning. So let's back up a little bit. Let's go through this story in a little bit looser terms. Jesus is hanging out with his guys. He's doing some teaching. There's a group. The Bible says about 4,000 people, but scholars will tell you that's typically the men that they recorded. So when you add the wives and the children, they say there's probably closer to 10 to 12,000 people there that day. So here's 10 to 12,000 people and Jesus realizes he's been preaching for a long time and he realizes that people are getting hungry. Now, don't you wish that all pastors had that innate sense? Man, my roast is waiting for me at home. I wish Pastor Jeff would get on with things. Here's something. Here's a clue for you. Pastor Jeff is not Jesus. Neither am I. And we just don't have that sense that we preach on. We go on. But Jesus knew that his his disciples and his crowd was getting hungry. So he says, we got to feed them. What do we got? What do we got, guys? They're like, "Um, we got, here's some loaves. Now, You might be thinking to yourself, this says 4,000. I thought I read that Jesus fed the 5,000. There was two instances in scripture where Jesus feeds big crowds, and Jesus talks about it here. And the first time there was 5,000, now there's 4,000, and I'm sure Jesus is like, come on, guys, I don't care how how much bread we have. Show me what we have. And they said, well, here it is. So Jesus takes it, takes the loaf of bread, and and he he breaks it, and he, he gives thanks for it. And what, what probably happened is, you know, he, he, would, he would hand some over to th- this person over here, and then he'd hand some over to this, and the disciples would take some pieces, and they'd hand stuff over here. And then, like families, like I'm the, the man of the family, so I'd take the bread and I'd take a big hunk for me, because I'm a big man, and I would take a big hunk for my wife, because she's a little lady, but she likes to eat. And then I would take, uh, I would take, my wife is in Wales, she can't hear this message, so... <laughs> I would, I would take you know, some, some bread chunks for my kids and, and I would pass it on. But he, here's the deal, because oftentimes we think, oh, it's like communion. They had the loaf and they would pinch off a little piece of bread, just a little bit, and they'd take it and they'd eat it like all church people do, you know, and then pass it on. That's not what it is. You know how I know that? Because the Bible says they ate and were satisfied. They were filled up. When everyone had had their fill, they're kind of rolling around like you do after a big meal. Oh, oh, you know, talking, no, I can't, I'm stuffed. Jesus says, okay, disciples, we need to pick up our our litter here because the climate is changing after all. We need to make sure we clean up everything we leave. So he says, take these baskets and collect the leftovers. And it says, after they collected all the leftovers, they brought seven baskets back overflowing with broken pieces of bread. Now I want you to understand something. This was a supernatural miracle. Somehow that bread had multiplied. 
Now, if you take a loaf of bread, I've got one in this, this tote here. You take a loaf of bread, it was probably a different shape, but it was, probably, it was about this size. It's a good-looking piece of bread. Sometimes if you're hungry enough, you walk by a freshly baked loaf of bread, you're like, oh, that's nice. That's really nice. But it's small. It's not going to feed like thousands of people. But the baskets that they passed around were filled with pieces. Let me, let me teach you a little bit about the baskets. See, if you read this in the original language, which is Greek, the original word for basket was used in only two instances in the New Testament. The first one is these accounts in Mark, and then there's other accounts in the same instances in other gospels where Jesus took the bread and he distributed it and they collected it in baskets. So that's one. Outside of the, the, the multitude and bread story, there's one other instance in scripture where the word basket in this sense is used. And it's in Acts chapter nine. In Acts chapter nine, we read of the conversion of a man named Saul who eventually became Paul the apostle. And this is right after his conversion. He's in Damascus and people are, are mad, fired up that Saul has converted to Christianity. So they're trying to find him and they're going to kill him. So his disciples said, look, Saul, we're going to take care of this. We're going we're to get you out of here. So what they do, it says that they lowered him over the city walls in a basket. Same word. A basket large enough for an adult man to be in. Now, I've always thought about these little baskets, you know, like Easter baskets or the cute ones you get at Hobby Lobby. Maybe you have them in your bathroom to keep a couple extra rolls of toilet paper. I don't know what, what you do with these little baskets, but that's what I always thought. It's a quaint little basket. Isn't that nice? About this size. About the same size as the loaf. No. The basket that was here is more akin to this. In fact, this doesn't do it justice. They were bigger than this. So the principle Jesus is illustrating with a miraculous touch, he says, you gave me this, we passed it around and I used it for what I wanted to use it for. And in the end, this much is how much bread you had. For every one of these loaves, you had one of these. Mathematically, that doesn't happen. But Jesus is over and above math. Jesus is bigger. Jesus says, give me what you have and I'll make it bigger. I'll make it more. Later on, it says they're on the boat and they're sailing across and Jesus is probably sitting kind of staring across the water, stroking his beard and the disciples are over here talking a little bit and, and out, Jesus kind of breaks the mood. He says, uh, beware the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And the disciples are like, wait, 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 wait. Okay, Jesus sometimes talks like this. He sometimes gets in these moods where he just... Okay, how do we figure this out? Okay, uh, yeast. What is yeast? Yeast is the stuff that goes into bread that eats the bacteria and, and causes the bread to swell up. And he's talking about, Jesus is upset because we only have one loaf of bread. <laughs> Jesus hears him and he says, come on guys. Don't you remember? How many loaves did we start with the first time? 12. How many loaves did we have today? Seven. He says, don't you guys get it? This isn't about what you have and the amount that you have. It's, it's what I do with it. You guys are so caught up in with what you have. You no longer pay attention to what it is that I'm going to do with what you have. 
And then later on, he says these words. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you gotta take up your cross and follow me. He says, if your goal is to protect your life, in other words, if your goal is to hang on to this loaf, you're gonna lose it. But if you're willing to give your life over to me and for my gospel and my kingdom and allow me to break it and allow it to be consumed for my purposes, you will gain your life and have overflowing abundance. Now that's hard for us to imagine. But Jesus is talking about multiplication. He says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees, which is magnification. You see, the Pharisees liked what they had. They liked their loaf. It's a holy loaf. It's nice and golden brown. It's warm. It's got the right amount of gluten in it. It's fluffy on the inside. Mmm. I'm going to tuck this away, and I'm going to do everything I can to make my loaf better. Jesus says, beware of that attitude. And that attitude creeps up in so many areas in our life, and I want to talk about three of those areas this morning. And the first is in your personal life. In our personal lives as believers, we need to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, which is the, 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 the being consumed with magnification. You see, in our personal lives, magnification says, I have rights. I have the right to not be offended. I have the right to a comfortable life. I have a right to the American dream. I have the right to be able to do what I want to do, and I have the right to protect my life in doing it. Perhaps. We're all about rights in America. I get that. Multiplication says, I give up my rights for the sake of Christ. Let me give you an example of this. There's a man in India named Ajay Lal who is, uh, he oversees a church planting movement in India. He's got hundreds of church planters under him. He's kind of like a bishop of sorts. And as a result, he gets reports from these guys a lot on what's happening in different churches. And Ajay gets a call one day from one of his overseers. And he says, Ajay, we have a problem. We had a young pastor and his wife that um, experienced something heartbreaking. It seems this young pastor and his wife were walking home and they were attacked by a group of men and they tied this young pastor to a tree and forced him to watch while they raped his wife. Now, in that instance, they had every right to demand justice. We would be there with them. Those, those men need to, need to answer for their crimes. There needs to be justice. There needs to be recompense. We're all about that. But something else was in the mix for this young couple. Sometime later, Ajay gets a call from this very pastor. He says, Pastor Ajay, we had our first baptism service and 10 people were baptized. And he said, praise God, praise God. And he says, no, Pastor Ajay, you don't understand. Four of those 10 people were the men who raped my wife. You see, instead of seeking their rights, which we don't have a problem, there's nothing wrong with that. But they had a bigger picture their lives were been, had been given over to Christ. He and his wife decided they would pack baskets full of sandwiches and make tea. And they went over to the homes of these men and they got to know them and they poured love on them and these men and their families all came to Christ because they did not insist on their rights. They gave them up for the cause of Christ. Their goal was not magnification of their lives. 
Their goal was multiplication of their lives and of the church. Speaking of the church, that's the second area where we're really consumed with this, this bread. It's in our church. You know, we're, we're tempted to want to magnify our church. We're comfortable with our church. Magnification says protect our church. The principle of multiplication says plant more of his churches. We like the way we do things for the most part. We get into a rhythm and we like to keep things in that rhythm. Tom Rainer, who's the president of Lifeway Christian Resources, he, came, he, he tweeted, he says, pastors, tell me some of the strangest things that your people have come to you and said. And he got lots of responses and he put out a blog post with some of his favorites. Maybe you've seen this, but there's 25 of his favorite strange things that people have said. And I'm not gonna go through all 25, but I'm gonna share some of my favorites. Are you ready for this? We need a small group for cat lovers, pastor. Okay. Our expensive coffee is attracting too many hipsters, pastor. Preachers who don't wear suits and ties aren't saved. It's in the Bible. I don't like the color of the towels in the women's restroom. We need to start attracting more normal people at church. Your wife never compliments me about my hair or dress. Um, if Jesus sang from the red hymnals, why can't we? We like churches that sing from the red hymnals, right? We don't like the blue ones. We don't like singing from a wall. We don't like the brand of donuts in the foyer. By the way, your donuts are amazing. You didn't wrap the hot dogs in bacon for the church picnic. Hey, I get that one. Bacon's pretty awesome. You know, I would, I would consider leaving a church if they didn't put enough bacon in our food. <laughs> the toilet paper is on the, wrong way, is, is on the wrong way in the ladies' restroom. It's rolled under. Um, let's see here. A couple more. The eggs were not scrambled enough at the senior adult breakfast. You don't look at our side of the worship center enough when you preach. <laughs> That's because you're on that side. I want to... <laughs> Here's my favorite. We're leaving the church because you have a red cross on the building and that's the color of the devil. We like church our way. We wanna protect it. We don't want those hipsters coming in. We don't want those not normal people coming in. By the way, if you looked, look to the person to your left and your right and ask yourself, are normal people coming to our church? I better move on. I better, oh. If your goal is magnification of the church, you're going to lose the church. You've got to get in your heart this principle of magnification. Churches that are in it for the kingdom of God, here, you know what sets churches apart that are, that are, are worthy in, in the Lord's eyes? Churches that take risks. Churches that step out, and I know I'm in safe territory here because you guys are planting churches. We are of the, we're of the same heart. Got people here, got people in North Platte, got people in the venue, and I'm, I'm believing in the, in the future, we're gonna have, your, your list of people is gonna be so long, you're gonna have so many fellowships. You're gonna change the face of Nebraska for the cause of Christ. Yeah? yeah? 
Did you know, did you know that the average number of converts per year in a new church, if your church is under three years old, you average 10 new converts for every 100 people that sits in your pews. That's 10%. As you get older, as you're between the ages of three and 15 years old, that number drops to five new converts per 100. And then for churches over 15 years old, that number drops on average three new converts for every 100 people in that church. Here's another thing to remember about churches that take risks and plant new churches. Because people often talk about, well, it's just, you know, we're just swapping fish, going to a different fishbowl. The average new church gains 60 to 80% of its new members from non-churchgoers. That's research. I'll say that again. The average new church plant gains 60 to 80% of its new members from non-churchgoers. <coughs> Churches over 15 years old gain 80 to 90% of its new members from church transfer. You want to reach new people for Christ? Plant new churches for Christ. It's a multiplication principle. Finally, it's in the area of finance. Now, this is a toughie. People get nervous when preachers start talking about finances. But I hope you understand, it's not because we want you to contribute to our employer. It's because we want you to understand this basic principle of faith. Jesus talks about money, funds, so often in scripture, the Bible is replete with references to money. You know why? Because of all the things in our lives that we can't control, $5 bill in our pocket is something that we are Lord over. That is our kingdom. Our bank account is our kingdom. That's why we fight so hard to keep the government out of it, amen? It's our kingdom. Jesus says, you wanna to prove to me that you love me? You want to prove to me that you have faith? James talks about this. You want to prove that you have faith? Show me. Take that one thing of your life that you have control over and give it up to God. Finances is a big one. Magnification says, I earned this. It's mine. Multiplication says, it's God's and I will use it for his kingdom. You see, it all comes down to this bread, doesn't it? It all comes down to this thing that we have, whether it be our personal lives, our church, our finances, whatever it is, are we gonna hold on to it and protect it or are we going to give it up to God? Giving to missions. It's more than just a few extra dollars, a few extra bucks. I want you to understand what happens when you give your bread missions. And notice that Jesus doesn't talk about the size of your bread. Like it has to be a certain size loaf. It can't be one of these little miniature like dinner rolls. Some of you are giving dinner rolls to God and God wants a big, you know, baguette or a big, you know. No. The principle is whatever bread you have, give it to God. When you give to the church, when you give to missions, you are affecting people's lives all over the globe. Let me tell you something especially to the young people right now. I want you to remember something. I want you to remember that there is something more powerful, something that is more effective in changing the world than a hashtag. Some of you older people are like, 
Hashtag? <laughs> you know, you, you get on twi- uh, tweeter, twi- Twitter <laughs> and you say, hashtag end hunger now. And then people can, that kind of trends and more people see that. And we feel good because we tweeted about it. End slavery for children now. Man, I'm changing the world. I just, I just tweeted. (laughs) There is something more powerful than a hashtag when it comes to changing the world. And the church has been doing it for 2,000 years. It's been feeding the hungry. It's been educating the, 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 the children. It's been, it's been wrapping up the wounded. It's been preaching the gospel. It's been taking its loaf and giving it up to God for his purposes. So let me ask you this this morning. What does your loaf look like? Your life your church, the things that you covet in church, your sacred cows, your finances. Jesus says, I'll let you have your loaf. I'll let you keep it. You can have it, and in the end of days, all you're gonna have is a moldy, gross, dried up loaf of bread. But if you let me have it, and you give it over to me and you let me break it and you let me use it for my kingdom. Jesus says, if you give up your life for me, your bread, you'll gain it. But you're not just gonna get a loaf back. Although that would be a miracle, right? If I broke this loaf and then pow, and then it's back again. That would be a cheap miracle because you know what Jesus does. He takes a basket the size of a human and he fills it with the leftovers of your sacrificed life, your sacrificed church, your sacrificed finances. Overflowing. Jesus says, if you give me your life, if you give me your loaf, At the end of your life, you'll be able to look back and see that just the extra that fell off of you was more than what you had to begin with. What is God saying to you this morning about the loaf of bread that you're holding on to? God bless you and thank you. So now you've heard, you've heard the challenge from God's word and a powerful challenge of our lives being that loaf of bread and if we let Jesus have it all, he'll multiply it and turn it into something greater than what you could if you managed it. Now it's your turn to respond. It's your turn to respond. No matter what location you're in right now, this is your moment to respond. In all of our locations, we have altars that are down in the front.
Our worship teams are going to be coming in just a moment. When they do come, what I'm going to ask every single person or couple that's in this place, I'm talking young adults that are here, I'm talking senior citizens that are here, people all throughout the spectrum, married, boyfriend, girlfriend, um, or single, I want you to consider, you know, what does God want you to do in response to a message like this? First, he's interested in your life. He's wanting you to come to an altar like these that are in the front. Lay your life down. An altar is a place for you to surrender. It's a place for you to come and be broken. Isn't that interesting in light of the sermon today? It's a place to come and say, my life's not my own, but I lay it down for you. The first thing is your life. God's interested in your life more than he's interested in your money. If he doesn't have your heart, he doesn't have anything. If all God has is your pocketbook, he doesn't really have you. God's interested in your heart, and when you give him yourself, now God can do something tremendous with it. The second thing is, how can you be a part of helping to spread the good news of Jesus around the world? That's where the faith promise comes in. So I want to encourage you, fill this out, and while our worship teams lead us in a time of response to God, this is our moment to say, you know, God, we hear you speaking to us, and we're going to make a move. We're going to do something with it. We're not just going to be hearers of the word. We're going to be doers of the word. That's what makes the gospel powerful is when it soaks into your life and it changes your behavior and your actions. That today, I want, I want you to bring this faith promise. Come down to the altar. Spend a moment in prayer. Um, if you're married with your spouse, spend that in moment. Just pray together. Commit yourself to God. Commit this, this opportunity to be a part of reaching people um, all around the world with, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do that. Commit yourself to that for the next number of months on how you're going to give. If you're giving you know, more digitally, then I would encourage you to sit there or stand there in your pew. Maybe f- go to the city, the app. Fill out your commitment that you're going to give. And then maybe you want to come down to the altar with your smartphone in your hand and you just want to take a moment and you want to pray because the smartphone is representing a connection between you between you and the loaf of bread called your finances. Um, you might not be able to set it up right now. You might need the routing number for your checking account or your bank account. Well, then bring your smartphone down and just come and stand. It's not about the phone. It's about this link that's happening from this card to your heart or between that app and your heart. And let's be a part today. Let every single person be a part of what God's doing um, in this world through new life as we, as we have our global outreach helping us reach out and connect with missionaries like Brian Elliott who are planting churches. Fantastic, phenomenal, I love it. These are the kinds of guys we wanna be teamed up with. Guys that have a passion to reach the lost. That's the kind of missionaries we're gonna keep teaming up with as well. So why don't you stand with me right now. Stand up. Let's take a moment, let's pray, and then let's respond to God as our worship teams lead us. Father, we stand before you knowing that we're called to be a part of reaching the lost in our day. And Lord, while we have breath and we stand on this planet, you want to use everything about our lives. You want to use our heart. You want to use our mind. You want to use our finances. You want to use our creativity. And God, we say yes to you. We lay our lives down. May they be broken for your cause. Lord, may they be broken broken and may you multiply everything you've done in us. May you multiply it, Lord, to impact the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. May it start in our backyard, but may it reach around the world. So Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here in New Life. We're thankful for what you're doing in the hearts and the lives of people. We're thankful for what you're doing in all of our locations. 
And Lord, we're thankful for how you're helping this church in the center of the United States reach people for the cause of Jesus Christ around the world. And Lord, I pray that that would happen one more time today as we team up with you. May we sense your spirit leading us and guiding us to ways that we can couple with you, Lord, to see tremendous things happen in our day. In Jesus' name, amen.